Have you ever been in a storm? No, I mean like a real storm. Have you ever been in one of those storms that's like, I will never forget this storm because this is where I was when it struck, it hit, and it was like, God, are we going to die? Is that what's going Have you ever been in a storm that you were like that? On December 16, December 16, 1983, at approximately 8 o'clock in the evening, a man said to my wife and I, I now pronounce you husband and wife. And we were so excited. And we got in my little Mustang and we headed for Littleton, New Hampshire, because in December it was going to be beautiful. My family's from Maine. We were going to go across and see my grandma that couldn't come, but we were going to be alone on our honeymoon in this quaint little village town up there. It was going to be awesome. And we did just exactly that. The 16th, we went up there. 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th. Man, we were up there and we were just having the time of our lives and we were newlyweds and then it was time to come home. And we headed for home after spending the night at my grandmother's um, on the 23rd of December. We finally made it home on the 26th of December. It was crazy. It's an 18-hour drive if you go slow. We headed out, and then a storm hit. And we were coming across northern Pennsylvania, and we ended up stuck, and I'll make it short for you, but we ended up stuck in a little town called Northeast Pennsylvania. That's the name of the town. We were one of the first 50 people in the gymnasium to spend the night. Three days later, we were one of 500 that left the gymnasium. I remember they brought a man in with a couple of his kids and four of his dogs, and his um, wife and other child had succumbed to freezing to death out on the highway because the highways were frozen, they were stuck, and nobody could get to them. It was that bad. In broad daylight, I could not see the semi 10 feet in front of my car because of the whiteout. It was ridiculous. And so we ended up being stuck there for three days. We spent our first Christmas together in this gymnasium with 500 people, caught to caught to caught to caught to caught. It was a fallout shelter. And I thought, wow, this is really awesome. And my wife said, if my father was here, he would get us home. I said, the snow will melt by June, don't worry. She said, if my father were here, and it's like, I got it, okay. We headed out on December 26th, and we came home, and thankfully, we were able to get word to Janice's uh, mom and dad, um, because they were trying to find us through ham radio operators that had been able to skip a signal across from radio to radio to radio, and they finally found out where we were. We didn't specifically get to talk to them, but um, the operators got to tell them that we were safe, we were in this school, and we weren't going anywhere. Was that was a wicked storm. We've been through a wicked storm. We lived out in Oklahoma when the scale for tornadoes went from F5 and something bigger than an F5 had never taken place and it jumped to F6. We were there. It started in our backyard as 50 and 60 mile an hour straight shear type winds and it escalated till it was shredding trees. And then finally when it got over near Carnegie and Calumet and then headed south a little bit, it started spinning and turned into an F6 tornado that went from Norman up through Tinker Air Force Base and across through Stillwater. And there were like checkbooks and things like that hours and hours away from the place where they were destroyed. I remember watching the, the morning news the next morning, and there was a housing development down in Norman across from the elementary school, and all it was was slabs. That's all it was, except for a bathtub that was still sitting on the slab. And I remember that there was a young lady that was so hysterical that what had just taken place, that she had come and found her mother 
who had passed away in the storm in the bathtub underneath of something and she was saying to the reporter, my mother's over here, she died, come look, come look. And that's how fresh it was. It was a wicked storm. And we do things to protect ourselves from the storm. We moved out to Oklahoma and we didn't know what all the little concrete humps in the back of everybody's yard was. And we came to, to learn that those were um, a nuclear fallout shelters from the 50s that had turned into what's called a Frady hole for the time being. And a Frady hole was something you went into when you were afraid when you felt like a Frady cat. You went down in there. My wife and I were always kind of dumb enough to go sit on the front porch with coffee and watch the wind blow and the storm begin to go. But other people would either go into our basement or into their Frady holes. That kind of storm, what do you do when the storms hit? We've been looking at this uh, series called Building Up a Home, metaphorically your life and your children and your family and things like that. And it's kind of based out of this idea in Matthew chapter 7. And understand that Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7 are all what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is the core of Jesus' teachings. It's the very centrality of it all. And everything that you read in the, in the Gospels, you can take back to that sermon. And as, as Paul is doing his teachings, you take... Paul's teachings back to that sermon because that's Jesus's gospel. This is it. And this is what he says. He gets all the way through chapter five, all the way through chapter six, all the way through chapter seven. And he gets to the end of chapter seven. And this is what he says to you and I. This is what he says to the people that were sitting there in front of him. He's done all of this teaching. I can only assume for hours. And he says this, Therefore, anybody that hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the steam, streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the stream rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished uh, saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. And this is the scripture that we're looking at today, the idea of these storms, these storms that will come. We talked about having a blueprint. We talked about the, ne the necessity of a foundation. Uh, last week, Pastor Janice shared with us the, 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 the importance of walls, hedges that keep things out and keep things in our relationships and in our families. And we could go on about doors and windows and who do we let in our house and who do we keep out and what kind of things do we let in our house. I wanted to do one particularly, and I may revisit it, on who gets to play in your backyard. Who gets to play in your yard? Because the people that you surround yourself are the people that you will become. It's a truth. It's a truth. And who do you want to become? We need to surround ourselves with Christian people that are chasing after Jesus. So Jesus gets all the way to the end of this teaching. He gets to the end of chapter 7 as we know it. And he says these things about the storms that are coming. And, and basically he's, he's giving us a warning. What's going to be left of your life at the end of your life? What's going to be left? When you look around and the storm hits of old age and it's time to leave this place, what, what's going to be left when a, a great storm hits your life and you get taken from this planet uh, maybe too early? What's going to be left when the storm, you pick the storm, hits your life and you look around you and you say, what happened? What's going to be left? 
These are the things that I want to share with you this morning. And these are the things that I share with you because I prayed for this congregation for this morning. Last night I went to Wilmore and I took our worship team with us. And it was awesome. We went to the, to the vineyard there and it's a pretty healthy, good-sized vineyard. They're meeting in a, I mean, a very traditional um, um, site and yet at the same time we're doing like we do here. And I mean, the, the worship team gr did great. And um, I was talking to the assistant pastor, Ronjo um, Clements, and he said to me, he said, hey, I, I, asked, I asked you, just, just bring whatever you're doing for your church on Sunday morning. And I said, you know what? I don't believe in that. I don't believe in just saying, here, I got a good sermon. Let me preach this one to you. I believe in spending time in prayer if God's asked me to be there because I hope that you spent time in prayer saying, God, you got something to say to us and you don't want leftovers from the vineyard in Richmond at the vineyard in Wilmore. You don't want leftovers from the vineyard in Wilmore at the vineyard in Richmond. You want to know that, hey, God said this to us. And so that's what I want to share with you is what God says to us today. And it begins right here. Storms come in all kinds of sizes to everyone not just you. You ever felt like, why me? You ever been there? Why does this happen to happen to me, Lord? You know, I, man, I used to be that way. This great tragedy would visit itself upon me. I would go to the pantry, open the door. There's the Oreo package. There's no Oreos. Because one of my children has eaten it. I would go back into the living room with a sour mood. My wife would say, what's okay? And I would say, nothing. Being persecuted by the devil. Why me, Lord? Why do I have to be out of Oreos? You say, Joe, that's kind of silly. I know, but isn't that how we do? And when we look back, isn't it about that bad? But while we're facing it, it can be scary. And it can be hard. And some of them are way, way, the storms we face are way bigger than Oreos. They certainly are. I don't want to make light of the storms in your life. I just want to put a smile on your face as we walk into it so that you'll know that storms come to everybody. It's not because you've been bad. They come to everybody. Some are squalls. You know what a squall is? If you live near the ocean, you know what a squall is. A squall comes up. You can see it coming, but it happens fast, and then it's gone. And you're like, hey, we're back out on the beach again. Let's do this, you know? You're there, but you don't want to be caught in a boat out on the water in the squall. You do not want to be there, especially a little boat, one that you can afford. You don't want to be there, okay? Because a squall can be like that. We've been in rainstorms before. You've ever been there? I'm out on the highway, and I'm driving along on my motorcycle. I'm doing about 20, 25 miles an hour. People are passing me at 65 and 70, and it's raining so hard, and there's no windshield wipers on your helmet, and you're just trying to get home, and you can stop, but you know, you, look, you check your, the weather on your watch, and it's going to be a couple hours. So sitting under the overpass north, I mean, uh, south of exit 108 is not your plan when you're just trying to get to exit 90. No. You'll endure it, and people wave at you as they go by, and you're like, get over it. Just get over it, because it is pouring on you, and it's awful. There's snowstorms like the one that I described for you. And goodness knows we had the snowpocalypse here a couple of years ago, right? Man, it was awful for a week. And then all of a sudden it got nice and we were like, whoo, we shoveled out and boom, it hit again. And it was like, everybody, back in your house. 
you know, and we had to hide. You ever been in a hailstorm where you looked out, it looked like it snowed on your lawn? But it was hail. It was little rocks of ice that pummeled your shrubbery, your roof, your car, and it destroys you. You ever been in a tornado? You ever been there? And I, I mean, not, not like in the middle of it, but close enough that you were like, okay, the basement or not the basement, the basement or not the basement, you know? Yeah. Out in Oklahoma, we were there quite often. I remember the year we moved out there in 1993, my mother-in-law sat me down and she said, now Joseph, because that's what she calls me, Joseph. She said, now Joseph, you're going to take my daughter out to Tornado Alley and put her in harm's way. And I did some research and I said, now mom, there were more tornadoes in Ohio last year than there were in Oklahoma and we didn't move. And it was like, yeah, but they didn't stay on the ground very long and a lot of them were off the big, you know, lakes up north, Lake Erie, whatever that is, they were out there, see? But sometimes those tornadoes can be dangerous. What about hurricanes? We, we see those hit and they level cities. What about when it upscales to a typhoon? And see, we see what happens down in Phuket a couple years back. When that little tiny micro-Asian nation almost disappeared. And it's like, wow, I know that's the, the city, but there it was. These things are metaphors, and Jesus is using the storm as a metaphor for you and I. What about the loss of your things? Storm comes along and your things blow away. I've seen too many you know, videos where their things blow away. What about the storm comes along and you lose your job, you get downsized? Suddenly there's a storm. What about the loss of a parent? You weren't ready for natural progression, but you didn't see it coming. Lord, I wasn't ready for that yet. I still need them in my life. What about the loss of your health? You know, I'm 60 years old now. I don't need to talk about my hips anymore, but you understand what I'm saying. I'm getting up there where suddenly my health is becoming a storm. And I have to decide what I'm going to do. Am I going to press on? Am I going to press through? Am I going to roll over and die? What am I going to do here with my health that's kind of attacking me a little bit? What about the loss of trust from a friend? Suddenly you find yourself in the middle of a storm because somebody that you trusted specifically let you down. You personally, not generally. Like David said, I could, have, I could have handled it if it was an enemy, but it was you, my trusted friend. What about that kind of a storm? What about the loss of a spouse or a child way too early? And suddenly you find yourself there. I don't know, we, we have a friend here in our community that lost one of their 23-year-old twins this year. I mean, this week. They went to check on him, and when they got there, he was unresponsive, and he died. Man. I can't imagine what they're going through as parents or as a family. And then the loss of a marriage, and we can keep on going. There's some things that we need to remember during this time. Storms come in all kinds, of, uh, all kinds and all sizes to everyone, not just you. Hang on to that thought, okay? Jesus says it rains on the just and the unjust. The Scripture tells us no temptation has seized you except that which is common to everybody. Everybody gets, 
you know, tried this way just a little tiny bit because of our humanity. Being Christian doesn't mean that we live a life that has no storms in it. Nobody's perfect. We're striving, but we're going to be graceful with each other. In Luke chapter 8, the scripture says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and they set out. As they sailed, he, Jesus, fell asleep. And a squall came down. Remember I told you about squalls? It came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. And the disciples went and woke him up and said, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided and all was calm. I, I share that with you not to give you the whole. And Jesus took charge and there it is. There was no problems. But so that you would see that even those people that chose to follow after Jesus had to face storms. They had to face storms. They woke up and they didn't think they were going to be a squall in a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is like eight miles long and five, five and a half miles wide at the biggest. So they weren't going to take a big drip. It wasn't going to be necessarily, you know, day. they were just going to, you know, row across and get across whatever part of the lake they were going across. And they were going to get to the other side. And, and all of a sudden a squall came up and suddenly they thought they were going to die. And they were like, God, don't you care? You're right here in the boat with us. Don't you care? And God said, yeah, let me take care of this for you. And he got up and he took care of it. Some of you are going through storms right now. I need to share this with you at the bottom of point one because the Lord made a point of it this morning. Okay, Some of you are going through storms that you created. It's like you got in the boat, set out, and then you started drilling holes in it yourself. And you're like, God, why is this happening to me? And God is like, put the drill down. You're defeating yourself. You pushed away from shore because you were in such a hurry to jump into something that you forgot the oars and they're still back on the dock and you think, why God? But you created it. You set off in a boat like the disciples one time and it's gonna take a while and then you thought, we didn't bring food. Remember when the disciples did that? And Jesus says, well, how many basketfuls? And the disciples said, he's only testing us because we didn't bring food. I want you to know this. Listen to me if you're drilling holes in your boat. God still wants to help you. God is not sitting there going, there you go. You know, we've got this idea that God helps those who help themselves. You know that's not even scriptural. It's not. Yes, God wants us to play a part. But at the end of the day, God helps people that finally get to the end of themselves and throw their hands up and say, Lord, when I'm doing it, I'm losing it. Help me, Lord, do it your way. And God says, let me take charge of this storm. Let me, let me walk you through this thing. Let's see what we can do here. I want you to understand if what you're going through feels like a consequence of choices that you made, that what the Lord wants to say to you today is, just because that's the case, He still wants to help you personally. He still wants to step in there and help you through it. The second thing I want to share with you today is this. Protection from storms has more to do with preparation than reaction. The preparation for storms has more to do, and we'll say this in a, another way, um, it, with building well, 
with anticipating that storms are going to come. If we can enter our day recognizing that storms will come, what have I done to prepare my heart? I'm grounding it on the foundation of Jesus so that when the storm comes, not if the storm comes, so that when the storm comes, I can hold on to him relationally and walk through it and come out the other side and learn something from it. See? So it's about how do we prepare. Because here's the deal. Storms build. They don't just happen. Well, I don't know, Pastor Joe. I, I, I was in a storm one time, and it just happened. I would, I would challenge that. I would say that you were somewhere one time, and a storm came up, and you didn't look up. And suddenly, it was raining on your head, and you thought, it just came out of nowhere. Storms come. Even squalls come. And you can see them. And, and it's just a matter of how fast they're coming. And suddenly, you know, we're on the motorcycle going 95 miles an hour trying to beat that storm to that convenience store over there. We just want to get under the canopy if we can. It's about how you prepare. My wife and I were, as a matter of fact, on a motorcycle trip out west a couple years ago with some friends of ours, and we were in South Dakota, and semis were going down the road literally like this. The, 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 the trailers were going down the road like this. And it's like, we got to get off this road. We have to get off the road. The sky was black. And we got off where there was a convenience store. And by the time we rolled off two motorcycles deep, before it was all said and done, there were 30 or 40 motorcycles underneath of that canopy, you know, where the gas pumps are. And they're really dispensers, not pumps, but they're there. My, my family's in the, the underground service station um, storage tank um, business. And so I, my brother called and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm hiding from the storm. He said, where are you? I said, South Dakota. He said, oh. He said, I mean, where are you? I said, I'm under the canopy, you know, the kind that you build. He said, yeah, let me let you in on a little secret. I said, what's that? He goes, that canopy was built by the lowest bidder. I said, I don't need to hear this right now. This is a negativity. He said, I'm just trying to let you know it could blow away any second now. He said, be careful. I said, Great. Now we're going to sit around for another 45 minutes wondering if it's going to blow away because there was that kind of wind. There literally was that kind of wind. And it was crazy. But they don't just happen. You see them coming and you build for them. See, we can all react, but how do we live ready? And I think that part of it is attitude is everything. When you go into a storm, do you recognize that God will get you through this thing? Just hang tight with him. Because our attitude makes a difference. Our attitude determines whether we're a whiner or a winner. Huh? It does. Our attitude determines whether we're a loser or a leader. It really does. Okay? Our attitude will determine whether we're a complainer or a contender, whether we're a victim or whether we're victorious. At the end of the day, the simplest way to do this is to ask you a simple question. Is your glass half empty or is your glass half full? You say, well, Pastor Joe, that is so trite. No, no, no. When you look at that picture and you say, is your glass half full or is your glass half empty? They both have the same amount. That is so incredibly important to understanding who you are inside. It is not as trite as you think it is. It really isn't. Because what you believe about your life when you look at those two cups will dictate the way you go through a storm. 
When you look at those two cups and you think, well, my glass is half full. I wonder what I can do with it. See the attitude? But when you say, my glass is half empty, the next thing you say is, I don't have enough to do anything. Why did I get shorted? How come they got more than me? How come this and how come that? And the fact of the matter is, you, in each of those glasses was the same amount, the same opportunity. It just comes down to what's your perspective on what's going on. And I believe the protection from the storm has to do with preparation. And that preparation is your attitude. What is your attitude about storms? In Philippians 2.5, it says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. When I first heard that verse when I was a young man in Bible college, it was, let your attitude be the same as that of Jesus the Christ, who did not think it, you know, and it goes on to talk about him leaving heaven and come down here, though being God, you know, he, did, he humbled himself and he came to, okay, so is my attitude, do I see that glass and say, half full, half full, because that's where I want to be. Everybody faces storms every day. And I would encourage us in that. But understand this. Storms are what we go through. They're not who we are. See? We don't make an identity out of what we've been through. I had somebody in my house the other day that's purchasing a puppy from us and, and we were sitting there talking and we had some time and they just wanted to play with the puppies and, and that's okay. And so we were discussing and they made this statement. They said, well, this is who I am. This is the deal and I'm divorced. It's like, no, no. A divorce is something that you go through. It's not who you are. It's not your middle name. It's not your last name. It's a, a thing that you've been through, okay? It's a struggle that you went through. It's a storm that hit your life. It may be something you uh, precipitated that you need to repent of. It may be something that you were the victim of, that you need to find healing from. But it's not who you are. It's what happened. And things that happen to us are things that we come away from. And we have to decide, do we come away with our glass half full or do we come away with our glass half empty? Weathering the storm has a lot to do with where your trust is and what your perspective is. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Overly simplistic, just a little tiny bit. Third thing and last thing I want to share with you is this. Building well is the key to weathering the storms. Choices beget consequences. They do. They really do, okay? make good choices. That doesn't mean you won't have storms. What that means is they will not destroy you. They won't destroy you. Okay? Stick to the blueprint. Stick to the blueprint. Here's my blueprint. This is it. When I start deviating and say, well, it doesn't really mean, well, it doesn't really mean, I start cutting corners, and you cannot cut corners. You can't do it because you don't have the time to do it right the second time, whatever it might be. Stick to the blueprint as you're building your life. You, you, you have got to be willing to say, uh, the, the, the engineer has stamped the blueprint. If you want to change the blueprint, you have to have a big meeting. And you have to get all the players involved and you got to have a change order. God doesn't change. He's laid the blueprint out for us. And he's saying, hey, there's a life out there I have for you that's important. Stick to the blueprint.
Get in the Word of God on a regular basis. Make sure your foundation is secure. Once the foundation's poured, you can't change it. And Jesus poured the foundation for us. He is our foundation. He doesn't change. He's not like the wind that gets blown around. He is steady and he is there. We have to decide, will we build on him or this world? But you can't change it. Our culture does not change the foundation of Jesus Christ. It does not dictate the foundation of the kingdom of God. Not even a little tiny bit. The thing that Pastor Janice said last week, live inside the walls of the house. You build well to weather the storm so you can live inside the walls of the house. Over and over and over and over again, the Bible says, if we persevere, if we persevere, if we persevere, we will be given the right to eat from the tree of life. We will be given the right to be a pillar in the house of God. We will be given the right to wear the white robes of the righteous. We will be given the right over and over and over and over and over again. We are called to do that. In John 15, Jesus says, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. We've got a choice to make that says we will operate our lives inside the walls of the house that's being built for us. All the preparation in the world won't mean a thing if we don't do this final thing, and that is anchor the roof. Make sure that you are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when I say this, I'm not talking about have you been baptized. What I'm asking you is, are you walking with Jesus on a daily basis? See, we so often think that, that becoming a Christian is just about saying some words and getting dunked in a tank. But it's about getting out of the tank and moving forward in a relationship. If there's no relationship, then you went through something. But we want you in a relationship with God. We want to see you walking with Jesus so that when the storm does hit... And it will hit. It's just a matter of how big or small the storm is. When it does hit, you're holding on to Jesus' hand and he knows who you are. You're not trying to say, remember 20 years ago when I got saved and I said your name? We're saying, Lord, I'm right here with you. Help me go through this thing. Because you will go through them. Last night in Wilmore, I preached out of Matthew, or, uh, excuse me, out of Acts 16. And Paul Paul over and over and over and over again and again read your Bible don't ever take my word for it read your Bible Paul and Silas got arrested they got stripped they got beaten they got thrown in prison then they got put in the inner prison they got put in stocks so they're down in the center in the belly of this prison and at midnight they're singing hymns and praise and praying and the prisoners are listening you know what we never hear we never read something where Paul, and then Paul said, get me a good lawyer, get me out of here. I didn't sign up for this. We never see that. He doesn't say, all of you people better get to, together and pray that I get out of jail because I don't belong here. I didn't do anything wrong. But what he says over and over again is, pray for me that I might be more bold in this prison to share the gospel with the peacocks. I'm going to be here. If I have to be in the storm, then pray for me to be bold in the storm so that when I come out of the storm, I've grown and I've learned and people have come to know Jesus. See, we go through storms, don't we? And those storms are metaphors for your life. And it might be your finances and it might be your children and it might be a job decision. It might be, you, know, you just might have fought too long over squeezing toothpaste in the middle and pretty soon, you know, your marriage is in jeopardy because we just let things get to us.
And we need to back away from that. And we need to back up and say, listen, am I creating the storm? I believe that God wanted to talk to us about storms today. And maybe you're still going through something and you were a little like nervous about coming up at the beginning of the service because it looked kind of weird to you. And Pastor Joe's doing that weird thing because every once in a while he makes room for God and then it gets spiritual. Yeah, we'll keep doing that. Okay. But I believe that the kingdom of God wants to touch your life. That's why I'm giving my whole life to this thing. Because I believe that every time we get together, the Holy Spirit wants to do something for you. And I'm excited about it. So I'm going to pray, and these people are up here to pray with you, to pray for you. And we're going to go into our closing song, and you just come up here and let them pray for you. Let them bring the kingdom of God gently down into your life to push back the storm a little bit and help you get through it. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, we thank you. We thank you for the right to bow our heads and say, Father, to you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that is there for us. We thank you, God, for the love that compels us to come love you back. But as we come to you, God, we come to you sometimes in the middle of our storms and we wonder, are you asleep in the boat? We know you're here. But could you wake up and see that we're about to drown because it's scary and it hurts? And we're wanting you to take over, God, and do something. Fix it. God, sometimes we did it. We want to thank you that you're still willing to love us and put your arms around us and take care of that. That you have forgiveness for us over and over and over. We thank you, God, that you call us to be forgiven from our sin, but not to run back into it. So we come before you right now, God, and we say, forgive us. Forgive us our sins, God, where we failed you or let you down. Hear us say, thank you for the love that we have in Jesus Christ that comes to us through these storms. Open up our eyes to see you right here next to us. Open up our hearts to welcome you in. Call us away from this world, God, and back into the work that you've given us to do as individuals and then corporately as a church. Rest upon us, O oh God, and hold us in the storm because we need you. And we know this too shall pass. We thank you for this in Jesus' holy name.